As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. You're listening to Here's the Catch with David Lombardi, Matt Barrows, and Dennis Brown on the Athletic Podcast Network. Well, the season is over, and what a ride it was. A tightrope act, a high-wire act. The 49ers finally fell, but they held on for quite a while. And you just have to think about all the times that they almost fell off but kept their balance. They were 2-4 and four at one point. They were 3-5 and five at one point. They surged back from that, but then they lost a... Week 16 game against Tennessee, and they were again facing elimination in the final week of the regular season. They were trailing 17 to nothing, and then they were trailing 24 to 17 and had a 0.4% chance of winning and a 99.6% chance of being eliminated, and they survived against the Rams. Then they were underdogs against the Cowboys, and they won on the road in the playoffs, and they were underdogs against the Packers in an ice storm at Lambeau, and they won on the road in the playoffs. So that that was a lot of escapes, a lot of surviving for the 49ers, but it finally ended back at SoFi Stadium on Sunday against the Rams, 20-17, to 17, and it was by the narrowest of margins, right? A field goal was the difference in the game, and the 49ers actually led that one by 10 late, but they couldn't hold on. Still, uh, Matt, uh, I think the old adage holds true here. If you play with fire long enough, eventually you'll get burnt. And these 49ers weren't quite as dominant as that 2019 team, so there was a lot of playing with fire. There wasn't a lot of blowouts, and they did get burnt on Sunday. To end what was a successful season, in a very painful manner. Yeah, and, and we talked about uh, offensive line protection, especially the right side of that line, um, all year long, going back to last year uh, as well. And that, that ended up being problematic for this team, I thought. Um, even Trent Williams, and, and he was not even 75% strength for that game, but uh, he was having a hard time. And, and give, you know, you have to give credit where it's due. <laughs> the Rams, they stepped up. Uh, uh, a lot of us thought that they might fold in a pressure cooker situation. They certainly did in, in week 18. And, um, you know, just the way that they were built, I was a little bit skeptical of sort of that, that all-star team feel that they had. It wasn't organic. They were kind of bringing in, you know, the, the Odell Beckhams and the Jalen Ramseys and uh, the Matthew Staffords and everybody who, who wanted out of their um, original city, complainers, 
and they ended up uh, in Los Angeles. And I said to myself that that, that it can't work. But to their credit, uh, it did hold firm. And, and Dennis, I thought that you know the one guy who is homegrown there. I guess Cooper Cup is as well. But the guy who jumped out to me in that game, especially at the end, was was Aaron Donald. <laughs> he just could not be stopped. Uh, and uh, he basically blew up that that last 49ers drive and blew up their season. Yeah, and, you know, we, we talked before the game kind of the things that are going to be important for the 49ers to kind of win this football game is to establish a run game. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo be very accurate and, and, and play clean football. And the pass rush. And, and that was going to, you know, st- kind of shield some of the exposure to um, – that secondary and, and young Ambry Thomas and the the Rams had a great game plan, stack the box, stop the run, put the game in Jimmy Garoppolo's hands, uh, and on the Rams' offensive side of the ball, their game plan was to attack the rookie. And I and I I, I can just remember all I can remember is that first half everything was going to the right side of the field. Uh, there were some good plays, but they were exposing. And then to kind of control Cooper Cup, and you couldn't, you know, you, for some reason, you know, I don't know where this guy comes from. I know it's Eastern Washington, but you can't cover this guy. I mean, it seems like he's always wide open. His ability to get separation from defensive backs is amazing. And then you have Odell Beckham that has, has kind of really found his way in that offense, and they, and they feature him as a number two receiver. But everything that we said that the 49ers kind of needed to, to do to win the football game, it really didn't happen. And, uh, and you know, they end up losing a football game. But they were up. I mean, you know, coming second half, I think there was it 10-3 to three going into the fourth quarter, something like that. And then there was 13 points that was kind of scored on that 49. I think the defense just got tired. Uh, off uh, The Rams had a great plan. Quick offense, get those defensive linemen tired, uh, and then just open up the pass game. And that's what it looked like to me. It was just, you know, I saw those defensive And I know what it feels like when you're just pooped. You know, then you had the trick play that kind of set everything off. So, you know, everything everything that that we said they needed to kind of kind of do to win, it didn't happen. And Rams and hats off to the Rams coaching staff. They had a great game plan going in against the 49ers. Well, everything that the 49ers needed to do to win, which they had done in the previous six meetings against the Rams, especially the ones this year, the Rams did to the 49ers. They just completely turned the tables on them. I mean, it was almost poetic. The Rams had an 18-play, 97-yard drive. Remember what an 18-play touchdown drive earlier this year against the Rams? It was the 49ers, and they ran up the play count, and they wore out the Rams of the run game, and the Rams weren't able to respond because they lost on the line of scrimmage. Well, this time, L.A. won on both lines of scrimmage. And in that first half, think back to Week 10, the uh, and even Week 17, Week 18, the final week of the regular season, the Rams had 0.9 yards per rush in the first half of that Week 18 game, even though they led 17 to three. So what that meant was that they were they're winning because they're passing, obviously. But when you don't run the ball, you can't really. It's not as sustainable because that pass rush is going to figure it out. They're going to be able to pin their ears back, and that's what happened. The 49ers ended up hitting Matthew Stafford 13 times in that game in, in Week 18, and he ended up being inaccurate, throwing a couple picks, and that allowed the 49ers to get back into it. Well, compared to 0.9 yards per carry in the first half, the Rams were at 4.5 yards per carry in the first half of this game. They only ran for 51 yards against the 49ers all game in Week 10. They ran for 73 yards on 17 carries in one half with Cam Akers especially 
and the, uh, the, the first half of this NFC championship game. And what, what that did is it allowed the Rams to play the game downhill. Matthew Stafford got hit nine times. That's still a lot. The 49ers pass rush still got after him, but that's not 13 times. And in a game that the 49ers lost by three points, I think that four extra hits of Matthew Stafford would have been the difference in this game. So I look at the fact that the Rams hogged the ball in the first half with that run game. They were able to run against the 49ers' number one ranked run defense. And they were able to set up a game plan where Matthew Stafford could succeed. And and succeed he did. 11 of 18 on third downs. The 49ers couldn't get off the field on third downs. And Matt, the Rams ran 76 plays. The most plays run against the 49ers all season. So um, it, it would have taken a big-time play for the 49ers to dodge the train because the Rams were, were controlling this game flow. And maybe that play would have been Joukowsky Tart's interception, but he dropped it. And, uh, you know, when the Rams were kind of controlling the proceedings like that, the 49ers needed to capitalize on their opportunities. And, and that one they let slip to their fingers quite literally. Yeah, I mean, and that was going to be the, the, the difference in the game. I thought that would be the case heading into it, whichever quarterback makes the most mistakes. And uh, Stafford made a huge one. I mean, um, I don't want to repeat the word that Joukowsky Tart used, but I mean, he said that uh, the quarterback really messed up that throw. Big floater in the middle of the field. It, it would have made a huge difference. That that pass and in the, in the one earlier that uh, Kwan Williams deflected, notwithstanding, um, I thought Stafford played really well, and um, he just seemed to be. I thought the 49ers' pass rush was was excellent. They were they were hitting home. Um, Stafford was able to buy just that sliver of a second sometimes. There was one play in the at, at the very end of the game. Um, Samson Ebicom came flying around uh, the left side of the, the Rams' um, uh, offensive line, and it looked for all the world as if he was going to have a strip sack. Uh, just had perfect form, everything that you want. And Stafford just stepped up and, and was able to do a little something that, that kind of saved him in that regard. And there was another play... Uh, pass rush was just uh, closing in on him, and I thought this was the best pass of the game. Uh, and we got a great angle of it, uh, David, where we were in the uh, sort of the corner of the end zone, and Stafford just laid it out outside the numbers, far right, uh, only a spot that Cooper Cup could have gotten it, and it was uh, on target. It was a huge game, and there were a few plays like that from him. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo had a, a fine game, but just was not able to pull the rabbits out of the hat as as hard as he tried to at the end there that uh, Matthew Stafford was. And, you know, it's a second time in three years, Dennis, that uh, this uh, this 49ers team plays really well, really well on defense, but just gets done in um, by a, uh, a quarterback with a really, really strong arm who just, like I said, is able to pull some Houdini acts and, and make some really big plays down the field. I thought Stafford played really well. Uh, you know, I, I yeah, he was being harassed, but you know, he was able to extend some plays there and and make some plays down the down the football field. And the synergy between him and Cooper Cup is amazing. I mean, watching, I mean, just watching the game, it's it, it's it was just frustrating. You know, it just seemed like in every play, Cooper Cup was wide open. Oh, he was about to get wide open. It was plays down the football field. And then we talked about OJ. Or, or Odell Beckham Jr. I mean, he is he is what he is. He's a fine receiver in the NFL, and they've and he he was kind of he kind of exploited. But that interception. I mean, we talk about Jaquaski Tart's interception. The bad part about that interception, he dropped it, yes. But then the next play, 
Wasn't it like a fifty-yard penalty? I mean, it was a, it was a, it was, it was a catch, Jimmy but then Ward. it was a penalty, and then they go down and score after that. So that that was the the missed opportunity there. But I think it was still like twelve minutes left in the game at that point. So I don't know if that was a the turning point of that football game. But if he would have if he would have caught the ball, you know that that of course they wouldn't have went down and scored, or maybe they would have scored later. But you know, the whole game was kind of missed opportunities. I, I think about that that first series with that throw to George Kittle. When I mean that was 45, 50 yards down the football field, and knowing George Kittle, it could have been a touchdown. So, you know, in, in, in opportunities or in games like this, you gotta take advantage of opportunities. Uh, and there was a lot left on the football field. And that's just a few. I mean, we can talk about a lot of some of the other penalties, the the motion penalties, but those were those were the big ones. And the last interception at the last part of the game with Jimmy Garoppolo just trying to get the ball away throws that interception. But you know when you're in, when you're in a uh, NFC Championship game and all the marbles or all the chips are on the table, you know you got to take advantage of opportunities. And you know I'm sure Jaquaski is going to replay that that play over and over and over again. Uh, but you know, it was still a lot of time left in that football game after that. But I think the, 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 I think the trick play, I think it was, was it a throwback, uh, tight end screen or whatever it was. I think that was when the momentum really started changing in this football game. And, and the Rams just took advantage of opportunities, I thought. Well, yeah, the, you, you could list several kind of critical failure plays of the 49ers. I definitely agree when Garoppolo missed Kittle on the third play of the game. That probably would have been a touchdown. For From our angle in the press box, I mean, everybody just gasped because they saw how open Kittle was. They saw the angle at which that was happening. Uh, the, the throw might have been a little bit more difficult than it seemed on TV to get over the linebacker and kind of there in underneath the safety, but it was still, oh, man, that, I mean, that that's one the 49ers would really like that back because, you know, even though they went into halftime up 10-7, to 7, they were lucky that they were up. 10 to 7 and a half time because the Rams had hogged the ball, they had controlled the proceedings and the reason the Rams weren't up is because they dropped two touchdown passes of their own. Cooper Cooper Cup dropped one and then Skoranek dropped one on the same possession. Both of those should have been six. And because the Rams weren't able to convert those two plays and they missed the field goal, the 49ers got the field goal at the end of the half and then they got the 17 to 7 lead, but it never had to even go in 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 that direction. It could have gone heavy in the 49ers direction earlier if Kittle if Garoppolo had hit Kittle on on that play, because the 49ers would have been up seven nothing, all of a sudden they're not down seven nothing at the start of the game, and that can change how the game flow works. Later on, after the 49ers took a 17-7 lead, I thought a huge play that that people aren't talking about enough was the taunting penalty on Aziz Al Shire. That was the f- very first snap that the Rams got after the 49ers went up by ten. And they got a 15-yard penalty, and that got the drive going, and they cut it to three. Then the 49ers were moving again, and this is what Kyle Shanahan thought was the turning point of the game. He thought the 49ers were fine, up 17-14, moving the ball. They get it to second and one on a nine-yard run from Elijah Mitchell, but then the Rams stuff them. They stuff them on second and one. They force third and two. They stuff them on third and two with Trent Williams coming in motion. Uh, not not a really good play call in my opinion. I mean, you have Debo Samuel on the team. Kyle Juszczyk shouldn't be getting the ball in the biggest part of the season when, when, when you have Debo Samuel. But still, Shanahan decides to punt. He's taking criticism for that. And then came Tart's drop. 
So there you see several plays that if they would have just gone the 49ers way, one of them, they might win the game. Earlier earlier on, on the Rams' 97-yard drive, the very first third-down conversion from the shadow of their own goalpost was a pass interference penalty against Ambry Thomas on Van Jefferson. So imagine if that goes the 49ers way. Rams punt from their own end zone. This game is an entirely different football game. But nevertheless, those five or six things, all of them broke in the Rams' favor. And because of that, the 49ers are at home right now. Yeah, the lesson in these playoffs seems to be don't don't get a first-half lead because uh, most of these teams are losing them, uh, including the, the 49ers uh, in, uh, in in Dallas in uh the uh, the opening round uh, raced out and then got got caught and, and luckily were, were able to, to hang on but that's just how this league has become um, uh, it, it's almost as if uh, well it, it is as if you want the momentum in the second half but um, you know it uh, unless you build up uh, a huge huge lead it's it's never over and uh, you, you can't uh, you can't Rest and and I agree with Kyle Shanahan. I thought that that sequence with the second and one, um, and then the uh, the, the missed uh, third and one, uh, they they have this this new toy where they put Trent Williams in motion, and he's almost three hundred and thirty pounds, and so I don't know physics very well, but I know that that multiplies when he gets going, gets ahead of steam behind him, uh, and they run it three times, but they they only followed him once. I'm the only successful attempt uh, of the of that trio. The other two, they they decided that uh, they were going to do some trickery and run away from where all of their blockers were, and, and both times it backfired. So um, that is still in uh, blueprint mode. Uh, they need to go back to the drawing board with that. I figure my my sense is that if you've got a 330 pound fullback, Dennis, you should probably follow that guy into the hole. Uh, and they got uh, they got caught not doing that. You guys would know a little more than I would about this part, but it really felt like, and I don't know if, if Debo Samuel was hurt uh, late in the football game, but a lot of those critical downs, it just seemed like Debo wasn't targeted. Um, and he's the best player on the team by far. Fantastic season. But it really felt like he kind of disappeared again. I don't know if he was hurt at the end of the football game, but it felt like Kyle Shanahan didn't really use his best his best kind of tool in the shed, and that's Debo uh, for some of those critical uh, uh, downs late in the football game to keep the ball or to drive the ball down the football field. So you guys can tell me, did it seem like Debo kind of disappeared at the end of the football game? Yeah, he, he definitely did. He didn't get a touchdown to stretch there. I think... The issue was the game plan was built around Debo operating out of that wide back position, right? Sometimes in the backfield, sometimes at wide receiver with the threat of the run being there. And by the final, well, they screwed up the second to last drive bad. There was a substitution error, delay of game. And then that last snap on third down, it looked like Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't even expecting a snap and half of the players on offense weren't even moving. So, I mean, that that was just a, a disaster of a drive. But that final drive, the 49ers, to me, it seemed that they were in pass-only mode because obviously they were running out of time and, and they had to go into, you know, just drop back on every down. And I think they lost that wide back component it, you know, t- t- through which they had schemed Debo open throughout the game. He just had to play straight up receiver. And when they had to play straight up receiver and straight up pass protect, then Aaron Donald, 
you know, had him ripe for the picking. That's when he just blew the game up. So I think they probably wanted to get Debo the ball on that last possession, but it just showed you that it was important for the 49ers to play this game downhill because then you have Donald destroying either Brunskill or Tomlinson when you don't have that threat of the run anymore. So that's what I thought happened. I thought the better opportunity for the 49ers was on their second to last drive and then their third to last drive where they punted from midfield and and obviously they didn't go behind Trent Williams. I thought that's where they lost the game. Once it got to that final drive, I mean, people are going to be mad at Jimmy Garoppolo, but what was he supposed to do? I mean, he's getting thrown to the ground in the backfield and if he gets thrown to the ground there, it's fourth and 20. Yeah, good luck converting fourth and 20. So he tried to flip it to Jamichael Hasty. He wasn't ready to catch the ball. So um, it was a desperate situation that I think the 49ers dug themselves into over the previous two possessions. I thought uh, I thought Garoppolo did yeoman's work just wriggling free of Aaron Donald. He, he somehow, he's not known for his, uh, his running ability. He somehow wriggled free uh, out of the best defensive lineman in the league and was able to flip it out there. But at that point, um, the that front four was just obliterating the 49ers. And they couldn't – he didn't have any time. He couldn't get the ball downfield. Um, I don't know what the answer was. Uh, you know, uh, we just discussed this. Essentially, the Rams beat the 49ers at their own game, which is being able to, to rush really well with just four guys and then uh, stuffing the run. And, um, you know, maybe uh, a better quarterback, a quarterback with a bigger arm – um, you know, can can thwart some of that, can, um, you know, get the ball deep over the top when uh, using play action and things like that. But uh, at that point in the game, I, 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 I certainly don't fault Jimmy Garoppolo for that last interception. <laughs> it's, a, it's a drop. Uh, you know, one issue I think this team needs to look at is that your third down back, Jermichael Hasty, uh, I want to say he's like 5'6". He's, he's not a very tall guy, so not a huge target. He was the third down back all season when he was healthy. He shouldn't be the third down back. And I wonder whether, you know, it's possible that they bring back Raheem Mostert. He's going to be a free agent. Uh, I think Elijah Mitchell can be a factor in that role. He just needs to work on it. Uh, he, he wasn't a natural receiver this year out of the backfield. Uh, but I think if you're going into 2021, just to I mean, 2022, just to start to, to shape the conversation towards next year, uh, I think that's one of the areas that uh, you need to improve. You, you can't be going in with Jermichael Hasty as your top third down back. <laughs> and, you know, the 49ers seem like they always have a lot of really talented uh, running backs at the beginning of the season, right? Uh, training camp. Uh, preseason, and then all of a sudden they all just kind of disappear because of, uh, of injuries, at least the last couple of seasons. But, uh, you know, they, they've got some good, you know, Raheem, if they if they decide to bring him back, we know what he can do. You know, and, and, and you know, we've seen Elijah Mitchell, great rookie. You know, he, he's going to be great in that room. And then everybody else kind of falls in line. But Jeff Wilson Jr., and, and you talk about Hastings. So, they, they, they're kind of lucky because they got a, a lot of really good running backs. They just got to figure out how to use them, you know, and also uh, to kind of keep them healthy. And it just makes me, I mean, you guys are there. You guys are probably at the press conference. And to me, it sounded like Jimmy was saying goodbye. You know, he said, I love you. He said, I love you to the media. He, he used the L word. But uh, with Trey Lance, I mean, I think that changes the whole thing, right? I mean, teams won't be able to stack the box like the Rams did because you got to, respect his ability to throw the throw the ball down the football field and then his you got to count for him in the run game too so 
I think, you know, everything kind of changes moving forward. I mean, you've got you've got great receivers, uh, you've got really good running backs, and you have a quarterback that's a true dual threat. So I think everything switches up if, in fact, Jimmy Garoppolo is not going to be part of this team next season. They got to do something about that pass protection. And I think they have a an excuse in this game because Trent Williams was playing on a high ankle sprain, which is almost unheard of, especially for a 330 pounder, but he gave up five pressures and Trent Williams barely gives up one per game when he's healthy. He gave up five and he was getting backed into the quarterback. And we know Compton isn't a good pass protector. We know LeBron skill isn't a good pass protector. We know Lake and Tomlinson got beat. And we know that Alex Mack is 36 years old. So that, that whole thing just kind of caved in on itself. I mean, and you know, we, we saw it in the Super Bowl last year. Kansas City had a depleted offensive line. They were, I think, missing both tackles against the Buccaneers. And even Patrick Mahomes looked terrible because he was just he just had no time. And obviously he has all the physical gifts in the world. So I think that no matter who I mean, who's under center, you're gonna have to have a certain level of of pass protection. And for Trey, if you if you give him a, a I mean, his release is not as quick as Garoppolo's, but he's got a bigger arm. And obviously he's got faster legs. So but but due to the the release being slower, I think you know almost ironically you're going to need maybe a little bit more time. But if you give Trey a little bit more time, he's going to be able to unleash some bigger plays, some more explosive plays, if that makes sense, right? So I think if the 49ers are indeed making this transition now, it's funny because Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch were talking as if all options are still on the table. Yeah, Jimmy Garoppolo was like, no, peace out, I'm done uh, <laughs> in, his, in his press conference. Um, but, but if this transition is happening right now, then I think you need to really focus on that offensive line this offseason too. And I think you got to do either way. Uh, you know, If you're not focusing on this offensive line, I don't know if you win a Super Bowl at all. I don't care who the quarterback is. Because, Matt, to me, it just seemed that they, um, you know, yes, they were hurt. But it's always the team with the deepest fronts. And I'm sure Dennis will appreciate this. The teams that win in the trenches on both sides are the ones that end up standing at the end of the year. Yes. And the 49ers weren't weren't in that shape uh, offensively this year. The defensive line was, the offensive line wasn't. Yeah, well, let's talk about what they should do along the offensive line. I mean, um, Lakin Tomlinson, who didn't miss a snap in this game, that's the fourth time uh, in his career he's played 100% of the snaps, which I think is just this day and age when I, I seem to be writing injury stories uh, left and right all season long. That, to me, is amazing. So he's he's a free agent. And then at the uh, let's say that they re-sign him, and the left side of that line is taken care of. It seems to me they've got a lot of options at that right guard spot. Um, Daniel Brunskill um, is is the incumbent, so they have him uh, at the very least. They also have Aaron Banks, who uh, played a grand total of five garbage time snaps this season. So they they need to see something from him. They think that Jalen Moore is possibly a guard and not a tackle. Uh, Tom Compton played really well as a as a run blocker at at right tackle. He looked like a different guy this year. He was he was in better shape, um, just more ready for the season than he was. I thought in 2020, he could move in to uh, to right guard uh, with, with McGlinchey taking over right tackle, and then Colton McKibbitts, who was sort of the uh, the Johnny on the spot at left tackle. Um, he's a possibility at, at right guard too. So it seems like they've got they've got a lot of bodies. Um, they just need to hold the mother of all competitions and and get the best guy 
in that right guard spot. And, and I think that center should be the, the, the spot that they look at. Cross their fingers that Alex Mack comes back for one more season. I thought he played really well. And then you have a situation where Alex Mack, the 36-year-old, only uh, Robbie Gold is uh, is older than him on the 49ers. He gets to apprentice this, this young guy. Maybe he's the second-round pick. Maybe he's the third-round pick. I don't know. Um, maybe they use the Jimmy Garoppolo pick that they get on a center. But I think that that needs to happen because David's right. That's such a crucial position. Uh, it was night and day uh, with, with Mack in there versus the, uh, the, the parade of guys that were used in 2020. I think that needs to be a, uh, a, pro- a priority for this team heading into 2022. Well, I think the priority's got to be. I'm sure it is. You, you got to do something about that that defensive backfield. I mean, you got to do something about some corners. You, I know Jaquaski is, I think his contract is up. So, you know, you have, you have to decide on your safeties too. You know, Kwan. I don't know his, his, his contract status, but, um, you know, he struggled. I mean, he, he's usually, a, he plays a whole lot better. He struggled against Cooper Cup. So, you know, you have to figure, you got two young guys uh, that you drafted last year, and you know Thomas has gotten better. We'd even see the uh, Amador at all. Uh, we saw him early in the year, but then we, he never suited up again. Uh, are those guys you develop? Uh, so you know, I, I think yeah, offensive line is important because you got to protect your quarterback. But I think the number one job for for John Lynch in this and this um, scouting department is is figure out what you're going to do with, with with your defensive backs because. You know, you, if your coverage or if your if your pass rush is not going to get there, um, you, you got to depend on those guys in the in the back, a secondary to make some plays. And I, I don't think we saw enough plays out of the secondary this year. So, in, in my opinion, your priorities got to be these defensive backs. I've updated the spreadsheet depth chart that that we keep online, and I've anticipated all the. Players who are not going to be under contract once free agency officially opens. Everybody's still technically on the team that was under contract for 2021 right now. But when the new league year starts in March, they they won't be anymore. And, you know, assuming that all the players who are slated to be free agents actually do become free agents, that's 38 players that the 49ers are, are going to be losing. Now, some of them are like exclusive rights free agents and restricted free agents. It's going to be easier to re-sign them, but they're still about two dozen unrestricted free agents on this this roster right now. So you look at the 53-man roster, after all that damage, right now there are only 33 spots filled. And I'm still counting Jimmy Garoppolo on the 53-man roster because I'm not going to, you know, the, the, until the fat lady sings there, we've already, you know, jumped the gun with Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> People have jumped the gun with Jimmy Garoppolo a few too many times. So we'll wait to see what the 49ers do there. But still, the point is that there's a ton and ton of openings on this roster on both sides of the ball that are that are looming. And the 49ers are going to have to find a way to fill them, either with upgrades or, you know, just by treading water. And they're going to have to do that with a limited amount of salary cap space, which is ultimately why... Even though the money last year, if you followed the money, it pointed to the 49ers keeping Jimmy Garoppolo. This year, if you follow the money, it seems to suggest that the 49ers don't, you know, just can't afford to keep Jimmy Garoppolo. Because if you want to keep a competitive roster with all those holes to fill and with Debo Samuel and Nick Bosa in line for lucrative extensions, you have to find a way to free up space. And the easiest way to free up space, 
on this roster is if you trade Jimmy Garoppolo's $25.5 million salary. Yeah, and then you get some some draft picks in return, and, and draft picks are obviously a lot cheaper, and that's, that's how you fill up your roster, and that's how they have to do it. I was looking at a wide receiver, for example. This is a team that likes to keep six wide receivers on the active roster. They only have three guys next season who are under contract. Ayuk, Debo Samuel, and Juwan Jennings. And Debo Samuel is now a wideback. So he's sort of not splitting, but he's playing a certain percentage of his snaps at tailback. So, you know, you either have to get Mohamed Sanu and Trent Sherfield back. And, and I don't think it would be hard for them to do that. But that's another position that needs to be looked at. And I, I don't know if uh, people quite realize that right now, but uh, I think they will at some point. Um, Dennis, here's here's my guy that I'm I'm really fascinated about because we just talked about Trey Lance taking over and how this team is going to be you know, has to be dedicated to the run game to sort of ease him in in his first year as a starter. What about Raheem Mostert? Do you do you bring him back or is he so injury prone at this point that you? Uh, you you let him go elsewhere in the off season. Ooh, that's a that's a great question. I mean, you know, when when Raheem is 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 healthy, yeah. He's, I mean, he's unstoppable. I mean, he it's amazing now. You know this, you know this offense, this this stretch re, or uh, zone. I mean, he runs it. He hits that hole and he is gone. But my man can't stay healthy. You know, I don't know if he if he was injury prone when he was a gunner or or what, but. He hasn't, you know, but when he's in there, he's he's great. Elijah Mitchell's, you know, he's a good running back, but he's not like a Raheem. Raheem, every snap, it could be a touchdown if you watch him run, but he can't stay healthy. So, but I do think that you try to keep him. I mean, he he's a guy that I think helps your offense. I, I don't know how you, you get his body ready or his body prepared for an NFL season, but I think that's a guy you got to keep. Just imagine if you got... Raheem Mostert and you got and you got uh Eliza Mitchell, you know, waiting to spell them at times. I mean, you could talk about wear down some defenses. I mean, those two guys with their running ability, their ability to run inside and outside to tackles, it'll really run down a defensive line. You know, you run into sideline to sidelines, the cutbacks, the physicality of them both. I mean, what what a great one two punch. But I you know, I don't know what his contract is. I don't know if that's you know, if that's something that the 49ers are looking at because of his injury. But I, I say, yeah, I, say, I, I I think you find a way to keep him on the football team. Here's the one guy that I really want to see back on this team is is DJ Jones, right? I mean, he has, I mean, he has helped this team. So, I mean, he's become such a good defensive. I mean, that two technique that he plays, uh, I, I think that's a guy that you really in this defensive line, I think with Eric Armstead on the other side, and him the way he's playing. I don't know what's going on with Javon Kinlaw, but uh, DJ Jones is a guy that you definitely have to to bring back to be part of this defense because he has he kind of solidified that inside. Him and Eric Armstead, that three technique, him playing that you know over the nose or that two technique. I mean that just the pressure that they brought interior uh, really picked up this defense. I thought, and then of course on the outside there, you got to find something in the draft or or someone in the free agency. But uh, on the inside, D.J. Jones is a guy I think you definitely have to bring back. I talked about the run defense. They're number one in the NFL from week eight until the start of the championship game. And that was 
you know, thanks to the fact that Eric Armstead and DJ Jones just took over the inside right after Eric moved into defensive tackle full time. Then the Rams found a way to to slip through some holes there. They got some leaky yardage in the first half. But then when push came to shove in the second half, the 49ers just shut down the run completely. Negative three yards for the Rams in that second half. So, um, yes, the, the damage that they gave up in the first half ended up probably costing them the game because it gave the Rams kind of control that game flow. Nick Bosa said he had tired legs in that first half, and, you know, that's why. But I think it's also important to look at this glass half full, and that is to acknowledge that the 49ers just completely stonewalled the Rams when everything was on the line in the second half. And that that shows you how good Eric Armstead is, how good he works, how, how well he works with DJ Jones. And I agree with you. I think that DJ has to be a priority re-sign. The problem is that I think there are going to be a lot of priority re-signs because there's a lot of open spots on this roster now after this season. And it was a good roster. And whenever a good roster loses a lot of guys, that means that you know you're probably gonna have to be dishing out a lot of money, a lot of salary cap space to retain a lot of these players. And and I think that's where the tap dance is gonna come in for the 49ers this offseason, Matt. Yeah, and I think DJ Jones is really interesting because what what is Eric Armstead's future? Because um, to me, he was a lot better on on the inside. This this defensive line was a lot better when he was dedicated to playing defensive tackle. So if, if he's there, let's let's just say that they go with how they ended the 2021 season with Nick Bosa, uh, Eric Armstead at defensive tackle, and, and Samson Ebicom or, or somebody else at the other edge spot. Uh, if that's what they're thinking, and, and they are dedicated to Javon Kinlaw, guy that John Lynch loves that they spent a, uh, a first-round pick on, I don't know if they pay DJ Jones starter money. Uh, if they don't think that he's going to be a starter on this team, and he will get starter money somewhere. Um, but if they go back to how they began 2021 with Eric Armstead as a defensive end, with Nick Bosa as the other end, with Javon Kinlaw, then there is an opening for um, for uh, DJ Jones to come back and, and uh, an opening to kind of warrant a, a big salary for him. But to me, I don't know. <laughs> they were so effective with... With Armstead on the inside, and I know Armstead and, and Jones made a great duo, but um, as I noted, th- this team is is dedicated to Javon Kinlaw, champing at the bit to see Javon Kinlaw pay off. I just wonder, and I, and I think this is the way it's going to happen, that uh, DJ Jones becomes the, the odd man out because of that. And, and that would be too bad. And, you know, I've almost forgotten about Javon Kinlaw yeah, but, me too. You know, he, 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 he's a talent. I mean, if he can get himself together, I mean, he can dominate, you know, there in, in the interior. But uh, it, it's going to see. This would be, what, his year three now? Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is a time. I mean, either, either, either it happens or it doesn't happen for defensive lineman in year three. So, but he's a, he's a talent, and you're right. I mean, he is a, he's a first-round draft pick. And, uh, you know, they, they, have, they have invested a lot in him. And so the the expectations are high, but I don't know. I mean, I don't know how much how much they give them. I mean, how much time they give them. I mean, if, if they see in training camp, you know, the same things, or if he gets injured again, I think you know maybe they'll start you know thinking a little bit more about a DJ Jones because he is definitely he was healthy, he was banged up, but uh, he played an entire football season and, and he played really well. 
So, you know, we'll see what happens with that. But, you you know, you're right. I I totally forgot about him, you know, because, you know, he's been been not part of the team for so long and DJ has played so well. So, but we'll see. But you're right. I mean, they they have a lot invested in this kid and, and, and they want a lot out of him. So... He, it's as they say, it's, it's going to be his his opportunity to lose or his opportunity to gain. So it's going to be kind of ball in his court. You know, that's with Javon Kinlaw. That's the Fort Anders need to be really careful to not commit sunk cost fallacy. Because I know that you spent a first round pick on him, especially after trading DeForest Buckner, and I know that that's you know a sensitive topic. And I know the Fort Anders really want Javon Kinlaw to work out, but He's he's going to be coming off an ACL injury on the knee. He, he's had some chronic knee issues in the past, and you, you know you, you can hope that he's going to turn out. But 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 a lot of these guys who've come in with knee issues haven't quite turned out. Now I know Fort Anders history has has guys who have turned out who had knee issues. Frank Gore being the 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 top example. But the Fort Anders yeah, and obviously Nick Nick Bosa too. But you you have to be careful with with the Kinlaw situation here because if you put all your eggs in the Kinlaw basket and don't re-sign DJ Jones because of it, and then Kinlaw gets hurt again or it doesn't work out, that's that's going to create this chasm in the middle of this defense. And we've seen how important it is for the defensive tackle positions in this wide nine to be effective. Because if they aren't, you're going to get run all over. And if you get run all over, you never get to the pass rushing situations in the first place. I mean, it's the key to make everything work. And I get it. They drafted Kinlaw because they think he's the ultimate, you know, 340-pounder. I mean, he's huge, right? 330-pounder to, to to be able to clog that middle and, and unleash the pass rushing opportunities. But if he's not on the field and you don't have DJ Jones and Eric Armstead to save your skin, uh, an entire season can go south really quickly for the defense. So that, you know, if they do put the eggs in the Kinlaw basket, it's going to be a risk and, and they better hope it pays off. Yeah, uh, I agree with you. I mean, I, I would, I, if I had my brothers, I would I would do DJ Jones, who uh, I thought just had a, a wonderful season. He's part of this 20-game uh, club I, I wrote about uh, on Wednesday, uh, the, the 49ers who played 20 games this season. 20 is a lot of games. And uh I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, they, they played 12 games on the road this year, which which has to be a record, given that they had the nine uh, to begin the the regular season. Um, so yeah, I mean, the extra game was in Cincinnati. The right? extra game was in Cincinnati. So to get to be a 20 gamer this season, that's that's something to be proud of. And and DJ Jones, who had a reputation for being a flash player, a guy. Who would uh, you know have a couple of great plays you know before week six and then sort of fade away at the end of the season? He was having those plays in you know early December, late December, early January, late January. So um, kudos to him. He he kind of changed his style. He changed his reputation. He did so in a contract year, which kind of uh, you know m- makes you makes you wonder. Um, about paying a guy long term, but um, like I said, uh, I, I feel like he deserves it wherever he gets it, um, and and hopefully he gets paid handsomely. Um, and and maybe you know whether they pay DJ Jones or not will kind of be a signal to us about what they feel about Javon Kinlaw and, and his recovery from that knee. Remember last year, uh, uh, Nick Bosa was recovering from a multi ligament 
uh, tear to his his knee. And they didn't do really anything at defensive end. Um, I guess they brought in Ebicom, but I, I thought that they might uh, draft somebody too. But I think by that point, they had a pretty good idea that uh, Bosa was doing really well in his recovery. And that's that's now an understatement. I mean, he just... He just aced that recovery. He, he was fantastic, and uh, he, and he's part of this this twenty game club. Uh, and you wouldn't have thought that going into the season, a guy coming off a knee injury like that, playing twenty games, close to a thousand snaps this year, and uh, and playing really well the whole way. And let's hope that whoever did Nick Bosa's surgery also did Javon Kinlaw's he did. surgery. That's that Perfect. happened, Dennis. Yeah, same same guy. That's perfect. So, so with that being said, we're going to see a whole new Javon Kinlaw. So, sorry, DJ Jones. No. But he's yeah, going to get paid. He's, he's going to get paid. He's going to get paid. I mean, if it's going to be here. And, and, and that's what it's about. Contract year, you have your best season. And you're right. Uh, DJ kind of reinvented himself. Uh, he became not only a really good run stopper, but became a pass rusher. I, I just remember against in that Green Bay game, him with that quick move and just kind of running down uh, Aaron Rodgers for a sack. I mean, he, he's 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 upped his game, and that's what you do. I mean, you understand that you are paid on perf- or performance, and that's what all of us know, all us NFL players know. And he re- he reinvented himself, uh, and uh, you know now he's kind of you know I, I think he's earned the right. I think he's earned the right to to come in, even Javon Kinlaw coming back, you know, first round draft pick. You know, he was once a starter. I think he's earned the right to, you know, to at least compete for that position again. But um, he, I, again, I think he's one of the guys you really need to bring back. Yeah, well, it, it's it's going to be, there's so many decisions to make, right? So it's going to be a pressure cooker for this front office this offseason. The cap is expected to explode in 2023 thanks to the new TV deal. So there's a year to bridge before then. And they already did bridge one of the years, 2021, by signing a lot of those one-year contracts, trying to get some bargain bin deals. But it just gets harder with each subsequent year, especially when you've had some success, right? Because some guys put together nice seasons, so it may be harder to re-sign them. Like DJ Jones is a great example. He was aboard for a one-year deal. Well, now I don't think you're able to get that anymore since he was the top run stopping tackle in football. Uh, now he's going to sign a true lucrative multi-year extension. And, um, you know, that, that that's going to be something that might not fit under the salary cap for the 49ers, which is why we're talking about this. So to me, it's, you know, the, the focus needs to be on the trenches, right? They, they have skill position guys. They spent all that capital last year on a quarterback. You would hope that at, at this point after a season, you know, getting that uh, excellent tutelage under Jimmy Garoppolo, which which seems to have been so valuable for Trey Lance and which the 49ers are commending so much, you would hope that at this point Trey Lance can do something competent out there over the over a longer stretch of time. I mean, I think we saw him play competent ball down down the, the stretch against the Texans in that week uh, 17 game. So now you got to hope that he can do it for – the course of an NFL season, but you also have to stack the roster around him to make it, you know, a nice insulated entry into the full-time starting job. If that's exact, if that's what they do decide to do. And uh, you're going to have, you know, without Garoppolo, if, if that's the case, you're going to have that 25 and a half extra million dollars to try to make something happen. That being said, uh, we're talking about Bosa. We're talking about Debo Samuel, who are both fantastic coming off of injuries this season. 
both, you know, worthy of comeback player of the year honors. That's how good both those guys were after injury plagued 2020 seasons. Matt, those guys deserve a lot of money and they're probably going to get it over the next couple months. Yeah. I mean, think about all the guys who have sort of set uh, the scale at their positions for the 49ers over the year. Um, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo in early in 2018, he was the highest paid quarterback for a while. Kyle Juszczyk has been the highest paid fullback since 2017. Uh, George Kittle did it at his position. Uh, Fred Warner did it for uh, about a week at his. Um, so, uh, you know, Debo Samuel a- absolutely could do it at wide receiver or, or certainly at wide back, <laughs> given that he's the only wide back in the NFL. Um, and then Bosa could do it at edge. I mean, uh, you know, people are, are always criticizing John Lynch in the front office for draft misses and this, that, and the other. But they, they are drafting guys that end up setting the markets at their positions, which uh, I, I think denotes uh, some, some fine drafting. Um, but, um, you know, that's, that's the double-edged sword. Uh, if you pay those guys uh, market-setting rates, there, there might not be uh, room to do a Lakin Tomlinson or a DJ Jones or a Raheem Mostert or a Kwan Williams. I mean, all those guys uh, you, you can make a huge argument for. Uh, so it, it, it's going to be an interesting offseason to follow. Um, I thought that, uh, you know, I, I asked Kyle Shanahan at his end of season presser about Debo Samuel and about what his role will be next year. And I'm thinking... Okay, uh, you know, this guy can't play that much running back in 2022. He just won't be able to last. His career will be shortened because of it. But uh, Shanahan did not back down, did not hesitate. Yes, we're going to use him in that role. It's such an advantage. And he was talking about when when he lines up back there, uh, when he goes into the huddle, really. uh, Defenses just don't know whether he's going to be a running back or a wide receiver. And, And what an advantage that gives the offense. And in talking about that, Dennis, he also talked about having a, a quarterback who can run and pass. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's starting to hint at what he's what he's eyeing for this upcoming season, which I think is a lot, a lot of running the ball. They're just going to run teams to death and then let uh, Trey, Trey Lance with a play action throw over the top of them when he gets the opportunity, making, making it as easy as possible for Trey Lance in his first year as as starter, um, but uh, that goes back to your your Raheem Mostert uh, take, and and I agree with it. Uh, I, I think that this team can can kind of use all the running backs uh, they can because they are going to uh, be running the ball, you know, ideally forty some odd times a game, uh, and that uh, that that causes some attrition as we saw this year and and in the year before and the year before that. At that running back spot. Yeah. And, you know, let's just hope that, you know, Trey Lance is all that's advertised. That he's going to come into 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 this league and, and into the 49ers organization and he's going to be that guy. But just imagine if you have that threat. You have a Debo in the backfield. You have a Trey Lance in the backfield. How do you defend it? How do you account for all that? And you have a an Elijah Mitchell or a Raheem Mostert. I mean... You, you can't defend it. So, you know, but, you know, that's we, we're, we're looking way, afore, way ahead uh, and just hope that I'm just hoping that Trey Lance. I mean, I hope fans understand that it's going to be some hiccups. There's going to be a learning curve. 
And, you know, we do, we talk a lot of negative about Jimmy Garoppolo. There's going to be some times where there's going to be some hiccups. And Trey Lance, I don't, I don't see, you know, the, the two games I've seen a man, I don't see him coming in and shocking the world. But if you put enough people around him, maybe that can happen. And that is your running backs. That's your receivers. Uh, and that's him developing at a real fast pace. I mean, believing what he's seeing, believing in his arm and being able to keep defenses kind of on their heels, not knowing if it's going to be a run or it's going to be something deep down the football field. Or if your quarterback's going to take off and run for 20 yards. And, you know, that it's, it's hard to defend that. And, you know, all the different players that were – that are, you know, at these, their, their contracts are over. And we talked about it last season. We didn't think that the 49ers could do it, that somehow they kept a lot of guys from that team last year for this team, this very good football team this this season. So it's going to be a long and interesting uh, 49ers offseason. I'm sure we'll spend a lot of time talking about it. But, um, you know, uh, as a fan, you, you got to love this season. It was up, It was up and down. But the way it ended up, you know, NFC Championship game, I don't think any of us, I mean, I know I didn't. I, I, I didn't see the 49ers in the NFC Championship game. So if you're a 49er fan, it's been a, it's been a pretty cool season. Well, they became the first team in NFL history to win three straight games over, road games over teams with at least 12 wins. And all three of those games were elimination games. So it would have taken four to get to the Super Bowl. They only got three, but that was still history. Beating the Rams beating the Cowboys, and beating the Packers. And hell, we talked about this after the Green Bay game. 49ers beat the Cowboys and the Packers on the road in the postseason in the same year, within a six days of each other. And that, that was to atone for all the suffering that, that Dennis suffered in the 1990s. <laughs> uh, they, they, they did it for you, Dennis. They, they got the Cowboys and the Packers on the road to avenge some of those bitter playoff defeats Love it. from a couple decades ago. And... On top of that, they also got the Rams in a must-win game in Week 18. They ruined the Rams' NFC West clinching party in Week 18. Yeah, the Rams paid them back in the NFC Championship game, but you look at the totality of this, the 49ers showed they could play with anybody, even though they started off so poorly. They were 2-4, and four, and then they were 3-5, and five, and they were down for the count in Week 18, but they got back up, and they, they kept on fighting. So um, th- there's something to be saluted about that. It, it did end in gut-wrenching fashion. We outline the ways in, in which they could have won that game against the Rams. But at the end of the day, I think you just had to tip your cap to L.A. because, like like we said at the start, they, they turned the table on the 49ers, the lines of scrimmage, and they they put themselves in position to be the luckier team in this game, whereas the 49ers had put themselves in position to be the luckier team in, in the earlier meetings. And, you know, that's just sports. That's just the way that it works. So we will definitely be with you guys over the course of this offseason as you probably can gather, there's going to be a ton to go through and a ton to break down. So the Here's the Catch podcast was happy to bring you this 2021 49ers wild campaign, and we'll be happy to bring you some more later. For Matt Barrows and Dennis Brown, this is David Lombardi. We'll talk to you all next time.